I uh, wanted to be able uh, to read you this passage in which we take the name from this series from. It's become one of my favorite traditions that we have as a church. Uh, we read in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 4, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel, one of the great promises of the Old Testament, this sign that would come to the virgin whose name would be Emmanuel, which literally means God with us. Every Advent season, we invite participants from the congregation to come and share their story. I give them a very open-ended prompt. The prompt is simply, come tell us how God has shown himself to be with you. Maybe that's in a particular season. Maybe that's your testimony itself. And so many times we've just heard powerful stories of how God is at work in people's lives. But really what this series is also, in addition to being that testimony, it's an also an opportunity to know one another in a deeper way. One of the things that I think makes Invento unique is we're pretty intentional about trying to know one another, to care for one another, to walk in faith with one another. And this series is always one of those pivotal times in which we have an opportunity to understand not just where do you work, where do you live, what do you like doing, but also those deeper things about how God is at work within someone's life. So this morning, somebody who needs very little introduction, but I'll do it anyways. Uh, many of you have had the privilege over the last few weeks, a few months, of being led in worship by Elizabeth Lombardi. Uh, I've had the privilege of knowing Elizabeth for a number of years, all the way back to when we were both on staff at Central Assembly together. And uh, you might not know, Elizabeth is a credentialed minister who has been serving not only in worship settings, but also as a care pastor in Arkansas, has really devoted her entire life to caring for people, to ministry, to serving people in ways sometimes visible on stage, but so often ways uh, that you don't see. And I've always respected Elizabeth as a person of such consistency and faith, and such kindness, encouragement, uh, yet she's battled through some serious challenges in life, both physically, many of you know, and over and over and over again, I find her faith just to be affirming and uplifting, and I know that it's a testament to how genuine that faith is. So, uh, number one, you're in really good hands, because she knows how to speak, so I'm excited about that. Number two, she has a powerful testimony and story, and so I know it'll be an encouragement. And number three, she's just a good person, so you're going to like to get to know her a little bit more, too. So please help me welcome Elizabeth as she comes to share today. I'm so high maintenance. <laughs> I don't think I need to say this, but I'm going to because I want to. We are so blessed with one of the most special pastors that I have ever known, and I'm so grateful. What Chase didn't mention is years ago when we both served at Central Assembly, uh, we would actually sit together on one side of the sort of business boardroom table for our staff meetings, and often we were on one end and the pastor was on the other, and I'd say, hey, you're in the wrong seat. You need to be up there. <laughs> or I'd say, I can't wait until you're the pastor. And it is so much better even than I envisioned all those years ago when you were basically a child. <laughs> but he was phenomenal then, and he is phenomenal now, and I thank you so much for this opportunity. I take it very seriously anytime the Lord gives me the opportunity to speak to any group of people of any size, and today is certainly no exception. So many of you know my parents, Brad and Kathy Lombardi, they sit right here front and center every week. They've been at this church for years, and in a way, so have I. Um, I actually have come to visit with you at the Y and at the Pregnancy Care Center. I was here the first Sunday that you were in this building. This church has been um, sort of, it was my encouragement through COVID 
um, care pastor through COVID, which is not what I'm going to talk about today, but I'll go ahead and tell you being a care pastor through a pandemic is exhausting. It is. I, I am grateful it was a privilege, but it was an exhausting privilege. And this church and your podcast and your video when you were shut down was just a true encouragement to me. So I wanted to say thank you for that while I had this opportunity. Uh, and thank all of you for your kindness and your welcome, your welcoming presence to me. Just been wonderful. So I thought I'd start, as you know, I grew up in a pastor's home, a very healthy Christian family. Praise God for that. You know, that's rare in this day and age that I did. I thought I'd start at about age 14. So I want you to picture 1989. I don't want you to do age math while I'm trying to tell my story. So I'm just going to tell you that I'm 47, okay? So about 1989, I'm about 14 years old. I have literally no clue what other 14-year-old girls were doing because I was nothing like most of them. Uh, but I was focused on meticulously organizing my super cool a cassette tape case. It was a cassette tape case that you unzipped and there were six compartments where you could slide in your cassettes in your plastic cases this way. But, are you ready for this? If you didn't have a case, there were also slots to go this way so that everything was still perfectly in working order. It gets better, guys. It gets better. You zip it up and then turn it over. Six more compartments. So I have that going for me. Listen, these were not just any old cassette tapes, okay? These were accompaniment tracks of the latest and greatest Amy Grant, Sandy Patty, etc. songs from the 1980s. Christian contemporary music hits, if you will. And I, obviously, you see, I'm, I'm seated today. I struggle with my equilibrium. I've had many ear surgeries, and we're not really going to talk about that today, but my ears have been a journey in and of themselves. So I've always had balance issues. But aside from that, I've always been, like, super clumsy. Like, there was a year in elementary school where they put me in special gym. I don't really want to talk about it, okay? So just start to like, no, I'm not. It's kind of my favorite story, because it's just, that's almost everything you need to know about me. That I would take my clumsy, dizzy, awkward self and get on my bike, and with one hand balance that huge 12-compartment cassette tape case, and on the other hand try to drive my bike, a mile down Main Street in Stafford Springs, Connecticut, to go to the church, lock myself in, and perform entire gospel concerts for a completely empty sanctuary. This is not a thing I did once when I was 14. My parents will attest, this is a thing I did as often as humanly possible. I've heard, I've heard every Emmanuel series sermon that this church has had. Thank you for your podcast. I heard them along the way, and then I heard them again once I knew all of you, I listened again. And one thing I heard so many times was, if the doors of the church were open, we were there. My sweet little innocent 14-year-old self had never heard that before. It never occurred to me to wait till the doors of the church were open to be there. If the doors of the church weren't open, I got a key, and I opened them. I knew the pastor. <laughs> but guys, I, I didn't just sing songs. I need you to understand I introduced these songs. I shared scripture, stories from my, you know, sordid past. I had none. <laughs> I gave altar calls. Like, this was full-on ministry, if you will. And I really wasn't just practicing songs. I was practicing my faith. I was wholly and fully devoted to the Lord. God had just put in my heart 
a desire to serve him. And I had no idea as a young teenager what that would look like in my life. I didn't even know what it could look like in my life. But at a young age, I knew when I'm in the presence of God, it's awesome. And honestly, I didn't really have a lot of friends, certainly none that had the passion for the things of the Lord that I had. And truthfully, outside of an amazing family, I was pretty lonely. And it was it was complicated. It was difficult for me in school. I wasn't the greatest student, but I had music and that's what I knew how to do. So I went to the church and I would sing and I would worship and God would meet me there. And sometimes he felt really close and other times I still felt kind of lonely, but God met me there when I would worship him. So at 18 years old, I left Stafford Springs, Connecticut and my safe home church and family and came out here to Springfield, Missouri to attend Central Bible College. I attended the same school as Pastor Chase and Pastor Barry. We're not going to talk about what years we each attended. It doesn't matter. We all attended the same school. (laughs) Those four years flew by so fast because I got involved in everything. I got involved in nursing home ministry and children's ministry and obviously music and worship. I vacuumed my church sometime. I mean, you just, you name it. I did it. I traveled in the same, uh, music worship group that Barry and Chase both traveled in. Again, we're not going to talk about what years, uh, those four years just flew by. I loved every second of it before I knew it. I was graduating. I was married and I was ready to start a family and a ministry and just Live my dream. And very quickly after graduation, and uh, I took a, a position as a children's pastor, and my husband was the youth pastor, and then I also ran the church daycare and preschool. And very quickly my life changed in ways that that sweet 14-year-old girl never saw coming. And very quickly I realized that my husband's passion for the Lord wasn't quite what mine was and wasn't quite what he portrayed it to be. And over the course of some years, uh, my dreams of starting a family turned into nightmares of, of miscarriage, of failed adoption, after nine months of having children in my home that I thought for sure would be mine forever, and just the, the horror and the heartbreak of losing them. My dreams of living happily ever after with my husband turned into realities that that was not going to happen that there were betrayals and secrets and infidelities and so on. And I found myself just asking God, what is going on? Why is this the life that I, how did we get here? And I would go to the church and I would sit at the piano and I would just sing or cry. He knows my name. He knows my every thought. He sees each tear that falls and hears me when I call. And sometimes he felt so close and other times he felt so very far away. But I would sing and I would worship and God always met me there. Eventually, I found myself after nine years of marriage, single again, and my wonderful parents graciously took me in. I needed to heal. I needed some time. They had a small guest room I could stay in. We put most of my belongings in storage, but my dad very wisely realized, you know what? She's going to need her piano. So that room, with all of the stuff that we could fit in there, was so small that we didn't have room for the piano bench, 
The piano just sat at the edge of my bed. But that was fine. And for the next few months that I stayed with them, I just began to process everything that had happened in the nine years leading up to that time and really kind of let myself feel it. I had been fighting so hard to just keep being me and keep being strong and keep being positive that for a few months I really fell apart. And I would sit at the edge of my bed and play that piano and often not cry but weep or whisper, Great is thy faithfulness. Great is thy faithfulness. And tears would flow as I would realize that this was true whether I felt it or not. Morning by morning, new mercies I see. And all I have needed thy hand hath provided. Great is thy faithfulness, Lord, unto me. And I will tell you that more often than not, I did not feel those words. But I had a foundation of believing that the Bible is true and that what it says about God is real. So I would sing that out or weep that out or whisper that out in faith that God must be faithful and that each morning his mercies are new. And they were. And I knew that because eventually God opened new doors for me where I was able to live on my own again. God opened new doors of ministry for me. And as Pastor mentioned, I found myself working in the worship arts department of Central Assembly of God, which was such a privilege and such an amazing experience. And one, you know, every job has its ups and downs. I won't, I won't deny that. But it was one where when we would throw a goodbye party for someone who was moving on to a new ministry or moving away, I would literally think, why would you quit this job? Like, why would anyone leave? And I remember, and I've journaled my whole adult life, and I can point to so many passages in my journal where I would say, Lord, please don't let me ever leave this. Because it was such a mountaintop experience. And I didn't really need to go find a piano or find a place to sing like I had previously. Because it was part of my job to like sing and worship. And it was, it was just an exciting thing for me. A dream that I thought I had to lay aside when my marriage ended. God was restoring in me. And over the years of being there, I ended up being, working there nearly nine years Over the last couple of years, my heart was shifting, not away from ministry or anything, and really not even away from Central as much as it was towards what God was going to do next. God began to speak to my heart that he was going to open new doors of pastoral ministry for me. And I was really grateful at Central. They gave me many, many opportunities to just keep growing in ministry. And sure enough, without sending out a single resume, without making a single phone call saying, hey, I'm looking, I got my credentials. I moved in with Linda so that I could have all my stuff in storage and be able to just go the minute a church called. And I would tell her, this doesn't make any sense. I should be get, you know, doing the work, getting out there. But I felt the Holy Spirit leading me to fast and pray and nothing else. I even quit my job with nowhere else lined up and just fasted and prayed. And sure enough, seemingly out of the blue, but we know God does all things well. I got a call to come to Bella Vista, Arkansas and be the worship and care pastor. And I just left. I mean, literally, I went one weekend to just meet everybody and I kept going. I just, because everything was ready, 
I just went to Arkansas, and it was the most dream fulfillment I could possibly describe in many ways. Again, every church, every job has its ups and downs, but the idea that I got to finally put to use some things that I had been through, my health stuff, my marriage stuff, losing children, all of those things, and then just shock and tragedy and trauma. When people were going through something and they'd say, well, you pray with me, my heart would just connect so deeply to their hearts. And God began to show me every single thing that I allowed you to walk through, I'm using for my glory and your good and their good. And it was awesome. It was awesome. And then to balance that by creating several worship teams and mentoring the youth worship team, we, did, we had a creative team and several care ministry teams. And I got to just really interact with several groups of people, bring them together, and then sort of release them, as people had done for me at Central. I got to sort of raise them up and then say, go, you don't need me. Go do your ministry. It was incredible. And I was financially stable. I had a beautiful home where I very often could use it for ministry purposes. Ladies that were going through specifically difficult and personal things, rather than than them come to my office, I'd have them come to my home. I hosted many dinners there of just couples or families or people on my worship team or pastoral staff members. I was just really set, and it was a very good setup. And probably a year or more before I left, God began to speak to my heart. This isn't forever. This is going to change. Listen, I could tell you story after story after story of when God spoke to my heart and I said, yes, Lord, and I just obeyed and everything went great. But this, I have to be honest with you, I fought it. I fought it hard in my spirit. I didn't talk to people about it. I didn't even really journal about it, which both of those things sort of indicate I wasn't really in the right here. But it was just such a good thing. It seemed so insane to me that God would be telling me, hey, your days are numbered here. But as time went on, it became more and more clear that guess what? God knows what he's talking about. (laughs) And I'm not going to really go into the details of beginning to worsen. You guys have prayed for my eyes, and I thank you so much for that. I've always had trouble with my ears, and I kind of have that conquered and just know how to navigate life. But um, this thing with my eyes was totally new and surprising. Um, And then someone that I cared about very deeply, someone that I tried to minister to throughout several years, took his own life. And that hit me deeply and profoundly, uh, more than I even realized at the time. My family was taking in my grandmother, and I thought it would be good for me to be close to them and close to her. And then just other things that I'm not going to talk about, but that made it to where I was becoming exhausted in all of the giving and all of the ministering and all of the very good things. I was exhausted. And I reached a point where I kind of had to admit, it is time for me to go. As I mentioned, I've always journaled. And a prompt that I've used over the years, it's from the hymn, I'd Rather Have Jesus. It's only about 100 years old. I'm sure most of you know it. Uh, One of the verses simply says, I'd rather have Jesus. Than silver or gold, I'd rather be his than have riches untold. I'd rather have Jesus than houses or land. I'd rather be led by his nail pierced. And 
Now, I do want to say, we can have Jesus and a nice house. We can walk with the Lord and have a great car, be financially stable, have the many blessings. That's not the point of the song and certainly not the point of this exercise that I would do in my journal. But I would write out, I'd rather have Jesus than. And honestly, to start with something fancy wasn't that difficult for me. I've never had much. It's been fine. Um, But what, what that exercise was really doing was it was God speaking to my heart saying, yes, I've given you good things, but where... Where do you prioritize me in this? How much do you trust me? How much are you willing to say, this isn't actually mine, this is yours? And so if my will would be, if if God's will would be that I would walk away from that thing, am I willing? Would I rather walk in the plan of God or walk towards something that looks good? And I've walked through these decisions before. You know, I believe with all my heart that God blesses marriage. God has ordained marriage, and it is a beautiful thing. And one of my favorite things in ministry has been to perform weddings and just watch couples come together. It's beautiful. And yet God had not rescued my marriage. I asked him to for years. And I had to come to the point where I could either sit around and wallow in woe is me, and I guess God doesn't have a plan for me anymore. And I did that a little bit. Let's let's be honest. Or I could say, no, I'd rather have Jesus than my marriage. Coming from the great family that I come from, it would be easy for me to just whine and cry that the Lord took away opportunity after opportunity for me to be a mother. That just seems shocking to me. It kind of still does. And yet, if that wasn't God's plan for me, I'd rather have Jesus. So now I'm at this point where I have to say to the Lord, well, I'm pretty financially stable. That was nice, but... I would rather have Jesus. I'd rather walk forward into what he has next for me, which is the unknown. This was not like before where God had put on my heart, you're going to go do this. And if you ever need to hear stories about God confirming time after time what he was speaking to my heart, I have incredible stories about that. But I'm not going to take the time to do that today. This was more, just trust me. I'm not going to tell you anything. So I had to say, I'd rather have Jesus than this really nice house. I'd rather have Jesus than live on my own and just host all the things and do all the things. I'd rather have Jesus than be called Pastor Elizabeth. And ouch, that one really hurt. Because as Chase mentioned, I've served the Lord my whole life. This is all I've ever wanted, was to serve God in ministry. And this seemed like, I used to tell people when they'd say, so what do you do? I'd say, I get paid to hug people and sing songs. Is there anything better? (laughs) But I'd rather have Jesus. And slowly but surely, I laid down and surrendered each thing that I was holding so tightly and so dear, each thing that was giving me identity rather than identity in Christ. And so I'd lay them down. As you know, when I got here, uh, I got diagnosed with this degenerative eye condition. It has taken all meaningful vision from my left eye. My right eye is fairly weak and often blurry, especially by the end of the day. So... That meant I needed to also give up driving. Last time I drove was actually driving home from Bent Oak. It was the morning. It was before I was on the worship team. Barry needed extra help. I didn't want to have to ask anyone to bring me early. I insisted I was fine and I could do it myself, which is a problem I have. Not for today. Um, I drove here okay. It was early in the morning. There wasn't a lot of traffic. It was all right-hand turns, which I could see. The way home was terrifying. It was um, dangerous. I shouldn't have driven. And I realized, nope, this is not safe. This is selfish. This is pride. And so 
I'm reaching this point where now I don't drive, where I'm not independent anymore. I can't just make a plan and hop in a car and make it happen. And so many of you, especially Linda and my mother, but many others in this church have been so gracious and wonderful to me, generous and helped me in every way. But it was a tough, it was a tough last thing to lay down. I wanted to say to the Lord, and sometimes I did, I I feel like I've really given up enough here, God. Like how how much more are you going to take? And it got kind of dark this year for me. If you notice, it took me a while to really interact a lot or get super involved in the church because I just needed to catch up. My heart and mind needed to catch up to all that was changing. But I would sit at a piano that was very generously given to me in my home, and I would sing and I would worship and I would sing about just God's grace and I would sing about trusting him. And I cried a lot this year. But as I sang and I worshiped, God met me there. God always meets me there. I love the depiction of Psalm 23. I'm sure you're familiar with it, where the psalmist David is just describing what it is to walk with this God, this Emmanuel, God with us. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. It is this beautiful word picture of walking with God in the cool of the day. But something really amazing happens in verse 4. When life isn't so gardeny, when it's getting rough, when it's getting dark out, what he beautifully calls the valley of the shadow of death. He's been talking about God in this passage, but it shifts here. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. He's no longer saying, for he is with me. He's now talking to God. Because it's getting hard. It's getting dark. It's getting dangerous. And he knew he could just call and talk to God because God had been with him in the good days. God was Emmanuel always in the good days. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. God was leading and comforting and guiding David through whatever he was going through. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of my enemies. God was saying, whoever wronged you, lay that aside. I'm with you. Focus on me. And I will bless you right in front of the very people who hurt you. Thou anointest my head with oil. My cup runneth over. Even in these days that are so unknown. This year for me, so unknown. God, where are you leading me? What are you doing? But he continues to anoint, and my cup continues to run over for his glory, for my good, and I can worship him. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Ultimately, what is heaven? It's not about the street of gold, okay? It's not about the angels or the mansions or any of those good things. Heaven is always living in the presence of God. It is walking side by side with Emmanuel. That is our hope. That is the hope of glory. And that is why we worship every day, every Sunday, but every day. Psalm 100 says to enter into his gates with thanksgiving. Listen, we can't do anything to earn or access the presence of God. That's not in us. That is the finished work of Jesus on the cross, right? When scripture tells us that when Jesus died, the barrier between us and God was ripped. It was torn open so that we could come to the Father. We could literally live Emmanuel, God with us. That door is wide open to us through Jesus.
And scripture tells us how we can walk through that door. It's by just offering our thanksgiving. God, I thank you for waking me up this morning. I thank you that I had a bed to wake up in. I thank you that I have food on my table. There is always a long list of things to be thankful for, always. Even when life is hard. If you start basic, if you start with the breath in your lungs and go from there, you'll realize you can, you can gather quite a list. And then it says, enter into his courts with praise. Now we're praising God for who he is. God, I praise you for being Emmanuel, God with me. I praise you for being my healer, my restorer. I praise you for being a miracle worker in my own life. I praise you for the times that you have shown yourself faithful. That same Psalm tells us to worship the Lord with gladness. That's not about circumstance. That's just saying, God, I worship you for who you are. I worship you because you are God almighty and you are worthy of worship. When we can offer our thanks, our praise, our worship to God, we are literally living out this Emmanuel, God with us. Because that is not just a Christmas sermon series title. Emmanuel, God with us, is so much more than just feeling God with you. I can point to so many times where I was like, I hope this is right, and it always was. I hope God really is with me. I'm not sure I'm feeling it. But he always was. He always is. The book of Acts says, in him we live and move and have our being. Psalm 16 actually tells us, in his presence, which we have walked into through thanksgiving and praise and worship, in his presence is fullness of joy. Hallelujah. Nehemiah tells us the joy of the Lord is our strength. So we don't have to come strong. We don't have to come equipped to do battle just yet. We can come broken. We can come alone. We can come devastated. We can come sick. We can come poor. We can come with questions. I've had questions this year. But when we come to him, he not only just allows us to be in his presence just as we are, but he fills us with joy, unspeakable joy. And that presence strengthens us. And we can walk boldly into whatever he has next. Again, we don't do these things to sort of earn favor. It's not step one, two, and three to walking with God. No, God is here. Emmanuel, God with us. He's already here. So why not just take full advantage and just be in his presence and allow him to pour into us and equip us for whatever he has next in our story. He's still writing every story in this room. He's still writing your story. He's still writing mine. God has opened the door for me to teach music at a wonderful Christian school. (laughs) Be careful what you say. It's been amazing. I never saw it coming, and I love it so much, and I'm so grateful. And I don't believe God's done. I believe God has more. But in the meantime, I just want to invite all of us, me and all of you, listen, if you need prayer, if you're going through a hard thing, I know Pastor Chase or Pastor Barry, any of the board members, your brothers and sisters in Christ, I would love to pray with you. But before even that, I would just love to invite you to speak to the Lord thanksgiving, to enter his gates with thanksgiving, enter into his courts with praise, to worship the Lord with gladness. Lay aside whatever is hindering you, whether it's sin or hard times, whatever it is, to say, God, I lay this aside and I fix my eyes on Jesus who is still writing my story and perfecting me to become more like him rather than fixing my eyes on my need.
And I am going to live in faith that the Bible is true and that Emmanuel, God, is with me. There is no greater reason to worship than that. So I invite you to do that. I have been learning to do that this year. And you know who I've been learning it most from? That sweet 14-year-old girl that would go to the church and give whole concerts of praise and worship. And she is reminding me that in the presence of God, I have everything I need. A song that I sang constantly through my childhood, has, and really through my whole life, but has become a renewed prayer for me. And I would like to just make it our prayer today. In his time, in his time, he makes all things beautiful in his time. So Lord, my life to you I bring, and may each song I have to sing be to you. A lovely thing in your time. Lord, that's our prayer today. That we would just give you our days, give you our time. Give you the good things that you've blessed us with, we return back to you. Give you the hard things that we're struggling to carry. You're already carrying them. Jesus already carried our struggles on the cross. So we just return them to you. And right now we commit, Father, to laying aside anything that would distract us and simply proclaiming in faith, I know, not just I feel, but I know that you are God and you are with me, that you are Emmanuel. So rather than dwell on what is happening in my life right now, the good or the bad, I'm going to speak out my thanks and I'm going to sing out my praise and my worship to you. And just allow your presence to envelop me this morning. That I could just walk in the joy of the Lord, in the fullness of your presence. In you, I want to live and move and have my being. Thank you for being Emmanuel, God with us. Amen. Would you worship this morning? say a couple things real quick before we transition to worship. So first of all, could you just show your appreciation for Elizabeth, her story, her willingness to share? We, uh, we closed out last Sunday talking about worship, which doesn't surprise me. Talk to us about worship with that image from the book of Revelation, that last image of the church worshiping. I'm convinced when we get to heaven, we're all going to be able to sing like Elizabeth. So know that when we get there, it'll be better than what some of us contribute here. Um, I just want, maybe I'm going to put you on the spot. Uh, I'd rather have Jesus. If you could sing through that one more time for us. Um, I was thinking this holiday season that we find ourselves in is one in which most of us are thinking about gifts. So Ashley and I were saying this week, uh, we're behind on the gifts that we need to be buying. Uh, It's also a season in which most of us are aware of loss. Um, We're aware of disappointments. We're aware of family situations or upcoming events that won't be what maybe we had hoped they would be. Um, And I just felt really strongly, the Spirit say to me as you were singing that as well too, that this is our song. This is our way of worshiping through this season. Uh, Where there are discouragements, where there are loss, where there is disappointment, that really what this Christmas season is is a reminder that we have Christ 
that we have received Christ and that he is ours to be that joy, to be that comfort in all things. So um, if you would, we're going to stand and worship in a moment, but would you just go ahead and stand and close your eyes? And Elizabeth, I think just acapella is going to lead us through that one more time. Uh, But make this just a prayer going into the holiday season, Lord. No matter what I face in the days ahead, no matter what I feel, no matter what loss I experience, I have you. Remind me again of what I have receiving you this holiday season. And we'll make that a prayer as we move into worship together. I'd rather have Jesus than silver or gold. I'd rather be his than have riches untold. And I'd rather have Jesus than houses or land. I'd rather be led by his nail-pierced hand than to be the king of a vast domain or be held in sin's dread sway. I'd rather have Jesus than anything this world affords today. But thank you. I think it was a a reminder to all of us that this is a season of giving, but more than anything else, it's a season of worship season in which we open our hearts to receive Christ again, to remind ourselves that no matter what we face, we have Christ, and to find our hearts filled with the kind of worship that I think Elizabeth lives and demonstrates for us all so well, but knows so well herself, that in every season, in every situation, there's a reason to be grateful, a reason to sing his praise, a reason to find joy in our hearts, and so may it be this season, no matter what we face or experience as well, Christ anew, and a heart overflowing with gratitude and worship. Let's close prayer. Heavenly Father, we pray that you would do this work within us. Show us again this season that we have you, that we have the hope of life and life eternal because of you, that all things are ours by your death and resurrection, that you came and took on flesh so that we might receive you, Emmanuel, God with us in all things and in all seasons and all challenges. That there's nothing we face that you have not experienced yourself. For you bore the sins and the pain and the suffering of this world. That we might be saved from it. So we turn our hearts towards you again and say, come Jesus. Come into our hearts again this season. Remind us again of what we have through you this season. And teach us by that gift to worship you again. To worship you in new and deeper ways to let our hearts flow this holiday season with gratitude and joy, not by the surroundings, not by the decorations, but by having received you, reminding ourselves again of it. So we leave here worshiping you in all seasons, in all situations, hearts of gratitude, hearts of joy, thankful to be your people. It's in your name we pray. Amen. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift his countenance to you and give you peace. And Merry Christmas.